Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for taking just a little bit of time out of your Thanksgiving day and spending it with me. It's been my tradition here for several years to read some Thanksgiving stories that you can all sort of huddle around and listen to like we used to do in the good old days. Maybe you're making your turkey dinner right now or you're stuffing your turkey or coming up with some great ideas for some games after dinner. But I thought I would take just a little bit of time to encourage you A, to be thankful, and B, just to spend a little bit of time uh, sharing some stories that are in the public domain that I actually think might bless and encourage you. Happy Thanksgiving, you guys. You have found the Heidi St. John Podcast. Well, I hope that this is a wonderful day for you wherever you are and that you are gathered together with people that love you and that you love and that you're making memories today. I'm not going to keep you too long, but I am going to read a couple of stories that I think will encourage and bless you. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 reminds us that Thanksgiving is not the only day that we should be thankful. We read, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In other words, God wants us to live lives that are marked by thankfulness and gratitude. And this is a wonderful time to remember to do this. Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Colossians 3, 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I'm gonna read a couple of stories to you that are really from the uh, the public domain. The first one's called Why He Carried the Turkey. Now I know this is, a bit of a a departure from my normal show, and that's exactly the point. So I hope this is an encouragement and a blessing to you. This short story is from a book written by a guy named James Baldwin, and the book is called 50 Famous People, a book of short stories uh, in 1912. And so this is therefore in the public domain. Uh, Again, this is called Why He Carried the Turkey. In Richmond, Virginia, one Saturday morning, an old man went into the market to buy something. He was dressed plainly, his coat was worn, and his hat was dingy. On his arm, he carried a small basket. I wish to get a fowl for tomorrow's dinner, he said. The market man showed him a fat turkey, plump and white and ready for roasting. Ah, that's what I want, said the old man. My wife will be delighted with it. He asked the price and paid for it. The market man wrapped a paper round it and put it in the basket. Just then, a young man stepped up. I will take care of one of those turkeys, he said. He was dressed in fine style and carried a small cane. Shall I wrap it for you, said the market man. Yes, here is your money, answered the young gentleman, and send it to my house at once. Well, I can't do that, said the market man. My errand boy is sick today, and there's no one else. Besides, it's not our custom to deliver the goods. Well, then how am I going to get it home, said the young gentleman. Well, I suppose you'll have to carry it yourself, said the market man. It's not heavy. Carry it myself? Who do you think I am? Fancy me carrying a turkey along the street, said the young gentleman, and he began to grow very angry. The old man who had bought the first turkey was standing quite near. He had heard all that was said. Excuse me, sir, he said, but may I ask where you live? Well, I live at number 39 Blank Street, answered the young gentleman, and my name is Johnson. Well, that is lucky, said the old man, smiling. I happen to be going that way, and I will carry your turkey if you will allow me. Oh, certainly, said Mr. Johnson. Here it is. You may follow me. 
When they reached Mr. Johnson's house, the old man politely handed him the turkey and turned to go. Well, here, my friend, what shall I pay you? said the young gentleman. Oh, nothing, sir, nothing, the old man answered. It was no trouble to me, and you are welcome. He bowed and went on. Young Mr. Johnson looked after him and wondered. Then he turned and walked briskly back to the market. Who is that polite old gentleman who carried the turkey for me? He asked the market man. Oh, well, that's John Marshall, Chief Justice of the United States. He is one of the greatest men in our country. The young gentleman was surprised and ashamed. Why did he offer to carry my turkey? He asked. He wished to teach you a lesson, said the market man. What sort of lesson? He wished to teach you that no man should feel himself too fine to carry his own packages. Oh, no, said another man who had seen and heard it all. Judge Marshall carried the turkey simply because he wished to be kind and obliging. That is his way. I love these stories. You guys can find them on the public domain, and I will link back to uh, them in the show notes for you. This one's called Two Thanksgiving Day Gentlemen. It was written by O. Henry from the short story collection in The Trimmed Lamp and Other Stories of the Four Million, written in 1907, also now in the public domain. You guys hear me talk about this all the time, but strong families don't happen by accident. Lots of time in prayer, intentional time spent together, and teaching the values that really matter are what build strong families. It isn't easy, but Brave Books makes it a little bit easier. Brave Books believes in the power of the family unit to shape the next generation, and you guys know that's my jam. Their family book subscription includes a book per month with family activities and lessons that teach subjects like freedom versus communism, traditional gender identity, and the importance of being truthful. They are such great books, and your kids are going to love them. This is a great Christmas gift that will keep on giving well into the new year. Go to bravebooks.com right now and use the promo code Heidi to save 20% off your Brave Books family subscription. That's bravebooks.com, coupon code Heidi. I'm going to be reading some of these stories to my grandkids today, so you guys are getting a little bit of a jump start on it with me. There is one day when all we Americans who are not self-made go back to the old home to eat biscuits and marvel about how near to the porch the old pump looks than it used to. Bless the day. President Roosevelt gives it to us. We hear some talk of Puritans, but don't just remember who they were. I bet we can lick them anyhow if they try to land again. Plymouth Rocks? Well, that sounds more familiar. Lots of us have had to come down to hens since the Turkey Trust got its work in. But somebody in Washington is leaking out advance information to him about these Thanksgiving proclamations. The big city east of the Cranberry Bogs has made Thanksgiving Day an institution. The last Thursday in November is the only day in the year which recognizes the part of America lying across the ferries. It is one day that is purely American. Yes, a day of celebration, exclusively American. And now for the story, which is to prove to you that we have traditions on this side of the ocean that are becoming older at a much rapider rate than those of England are, thanks to our get-up-and-go and enterprise. Stuffy Pete took his seat on the third bench to the right as you enter Union Square from the east and walk opposite the fountain. Every Thanksgiving day for nine years, he had taken his seat there promptly at one o'clock. For every time he had done so, things had happened to him. 
Charles Dickensy things that made his waistcoat swell above his heart equally on the other side. But today, Stuffy Pete's appearance at the annual trysting place seemed to have been rather the result of habit than of the yearly hunger, which, as philanthropists seem to think, afflicts the poor at such extended intervals. Certainly, Pete was not hungry. He had just come from a feast that had left him with left him of his powers barely those of respiration and locomotion. His eyes were like two pale gooseberries, firmly embedded in a swollen and gravy-smeared mask of putty. His breath came in short wheezes. A senatorial roll of tissue denied a fashionable set to his upturned coat collar. Buttons that had been sewed upon his clothes by kind salvation fingers a week before flew like popcorn, strewing the earth around him. Ragged he was, with the split shirt open to the wishbone. But the November breeze, carrying fine snowflakes, brought him only a grateful coolness. For Stuffy Pete was overcharged with caloric produced by a super-bountiful dinner, beginning with oysters and ending with plum pudding, and including, it seemed to him, all the roast turkey and baked potatoes and chicken salad and squash pie and ice cream in the world. Wherefore he sat, gorged, and gazed upon the world with after-dinner contempt. The meal had been an unexpected one. He was passing a a red brick mansion near the beginning of Fifth Avenue, in which lived two ladies of ancient family and a reverence for traditions. They even denied the existence of New York and believed that Thanksgiving Day was declared solely for Washington Square. One of their traditional habits was to station a servant at the postern gate with orders to admit the first hungry wayfarer that came along after the hour of noon had struck, and banquet him to a finish. Stuffy Pete happened to pass by on his way to the park, and the essentials gathered him in and upheld the custom of the castle. After Stuffy Pete had gazed straight before him for ten minutes, he was conscious of a desire for a more varied field of vision. With a tremendous effort, he moved his head slowly to the left. And then his eyes bulged out fearfully and his breath ceased and the rough shod ends of his short legs wriggled and rustled on the gravel for the old gentleman was coming across 4th Avenue toward his bench. Every day on Thanksgiving for nine years, the old gentleman had come there and found Stuffy Pete on his bench. That was a thing that the old gentleman was trying to make a tradition of. Every Thanksgiving day, for nine years, he had found Stuffy there and had led him to a restaurant and watched him eat a big dinner. They do those things in England unconsciously. But this is a young country, and nine years is not so bad. The old gentleman was a staunch American patriot and considered himself a pioneer in American tradition. In order to become picturesque, we must keep on doing one thing for a long time without ever letting it get away from us. Something like, collecting weekly dimes in industrial insurance or cleaning the streets. The old gentleman moved straight and stately toward the institution that he was rearing. Truly, the annual feeding of Stuffy Pete was nothing national in its character, such as the Magna Carta or jam for breakfast was in England, but it was a step and it was almost futile. It showed, at least, that a custom was not impossible to new America. The old gentleman was tall and thin and 60. He was dressed all in black and wore the old-fashioned kinds of glasses that won't stay on your nose. His hair was whiter and thinner than it had been last year, 
and he seemed to make more use of his big knobby cane with a crooked handle. As his established benefactor came up, Stuffy wheezed and shuddered like some woman's overfat pug when a street dog bristles up on him. He would have flown, but all the skill of Santos Dumont could not have separated him from his bench. Well, had the myrmidons of the two old ladies done their work. Good morning, said the old gentleman, that the vicissitudes of another year have spared you to move in health about the beautiful world. And for that blessing alone, this day of Thanksgiving is well proclaimed to each of us. If you will come with me, my man, I will provide you with a dinner that should make your physical well-being accord with the mental. That is what the old gentleman said every time, every Thanksgiving day for nine years. The words themselves almost formed an institution. Nothing could be compared with them except the Declaration of Independence. Always before, they had been music in Stuffy's ears, but now he looked up at the old gentleman's face with tearful agony of his own. The fine snow almost sizzled when it fell upon his perspiring brow, but the old gentleman shivered a little and turned his back to the wind. Stuffy had always wondered why the old gentleman spoke his speech rather sadly. He did not know that it was because he was wishing every time that he had a son to succeed him. A son who would come there after he was gone. A son who would stand proud and strong before some subsequent Stuffy and say, in memory of my father. Well, then it would be an institution. But the old gentleman had no relatives. He lived in rented rooms in one of the decayed old family brownstone mansions in one of the quiet streets east of the park. In winter, he raised fuchsias in a little conservatory the size of a steamer trunk. And in the spring, he walked in the Easter parade. In the summer, he lived at a farmhouse in the New Jersey hills and sat in a wicker armchair, speaking of a butterfly, that he hoped he would find someday. In the autumn, he fed Stuffy a dinner. Those were the old gentleman's occupations. Stuffy Pete looked up at him for a half a minute, stewing and helpless in his own self-pity. The old gentleman's eyes were bright with giving pleasure. His face was getting more lined each year, but his little black necktie was as jaunty a bow as ever, and the linen was beautiful and white, and his gray mustache was curled carefully at the ends. And then Stuffy made a noise that sounded like peas bubbling in a pot. Speech was intended, and as the old gentleman had heard the sounds nine times before, he rightly construed them into Stuffy's old formula of acceptance. Well, thank you, sir. I'll go with ye, and much obliged. I'm very hungry, sir. The coma of repletion had not prevented from entering Stuffy's mind the conviction that he was now the basis of an institution. His Thanksgiving appetite was not his own. It belonged to the sacred rights of an established custom, if not by the actual statute of limitations to this kind old gentleman who bad preempted it. True, America is free, but in order to establish tradition, someone must be repented, a repeating decimal. The heroes are not all heroes of steel and gold. See one here that wielded only weapons of iron, badly silvered and tin. The old gentleman led his annual protege southward to the restaurant and to the table where the feast had always occurred. Of course, they were recognized. Here comes the old guy, said a waiter. That blows some same bum to the meal every Thanksgiving. 
the old gentleman sat across the table, glowing like a smoked pearl in his cornerstone of future ancient tradition. The waiters heaped the table with holiday food, and Stuffy, with a sigh that was mistaken for hunger's expression, raised a knife and a fork and carved for himself a crown of imperishable bay. No more valiant hero ever fought his way through the ranks of an enemy. Turkey, chops, soups, vegetables, pies disappeared before him as fast as they could be served. Gorged nearly to the uttermost when he entered the restaurant, the smell of food had almost caused him to lose his honor as a gentleman. But he rallied like a true knight. He saw the look of beneficent happiness on the old gentleman's face, a happier look than even the fuchsias or the butterflies had ever brought to it, and he did not have the heart to see it wane. In an hour, Stuffy leaned back with a battle won. Thank you kindly, sir. He puffed like a leaky steam pipe. Thank you kindly for a hearty meal. And then he rose heavily with glazed eyes and started toward the kitchen. A waiter turned him about like a top and pointed him toward the door. The old gentleman carefully counted out $1.30 in silver change, leaving three nickels for the waiter. They parted as they did each year at the door, the old gentleman going south and Stuffy going north. Around the first corner, Stuffy turned and stood for one minute, and then he seemed to puff out of his rags as an old owl puffs out his feathers, and he fell to the sidewalk like a sun-stricken horse. When the ambulance came, the young surgeon and the driver cursed softly at his weight. There was no smell of whiskey to justify a transfer to the patrol wagon, so Stuffy and his two dinners to the hospital. There they stretched him on a bed and began to test him for strange diseases with the hope of getting a chance at some problem with the bare steel. And lo, an hour later, another ambulance brought the old gentleman. They laid him on another bed and spoke of appendicitis, for he looked good to take care of the bill. But pretty soon, one of the young doctors met one of the young nurses, whose eyes he liked, and stopped to chat about the cases. That nice old gentleman over there now, he said, you wouldn't think that was a case of almost starvation. Proud old family, I guess. He told me he hadn't eaten a thing for three days. All right, you guys, I hope you're able to find that. I'm going to link back to these stories in the show notes for you. And maybe, just maybe, some of the words in there that your kids don't know you can take a Thanksgiving school break and look them up on the internet. I hope you guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving wherever you are. Remember to be thankful for everything that the Lord has done. We have so much to be thankful for as a nation and so much to be thankful for as people of God who are dearly loved. It's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to take some time today and love your people well. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I'll see you right back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.